Right, welcome everyone to episode three of Young and Orthodox. Today we'll be looking, um, kicking off our series on Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, and we're starting by his first book. So book one is called Right and Wrong as a Clue to the Meaning of the Universe. The main premise of the book, you could say, is um, taking a look at some of the natures, nature of humans, um, the main one being morality, and thinking about morality as a clue to a potential creator of the universe, and also um, discussing why morality is more indicative of there being a purpose and a creator rather than just everything happening by chance. Yeah, so he's setting up the presuppositions you need to even start talking about Christianity. Yeah, he doesn't talk about Christianity at all. He no. just talks about the first concepts you need to agree on in order yeah. to get to the... Or rather, Jesus, yeah. or rather, even before that, right, the questions you need to look at humanity and ask to even try to get yeah. to an answer about it, yes, which right. religion, mm. Christianity, atheism... Is a um, possible solution. Yeah, they're all, you know, solutions, whether they're good or bad solutions is another thing, but they're all solutions to a problem and a question we have yeah. um, about ourselves and the and way... And that's what he addresses in book two. So, uh, maybe we should talk about C.S. Lewis. He was... A British author. I think he was born in about nine, early 1900s, and then he died. Actually, maybe it was like 1895 or something like that. Oh, he fought you. in World War One, but he wrote lots of books. He's very, 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 very influential. Yeah, influential yes, definitely in modern Christianity. Oh, and of course, he wrote the Narnia books. Yeah, uh, he was born in 1898. Oh, pretty close in Ireland, and he died in 1963. All right, he was. He's very, very good writer. Definitely. He definitely lays out his points very clearly. He has, um, book one is in kind of five different chapters, um, and each of them lead to the next, but still have distinct ideas. And they're all, you know, the examples for them are all given very well, and mm -hmm. there's very clear train of thought. So mm -hmm. I think the way we'll approach this is, um, Depending on time, we will just look at each chapter and kind of discuss what we think about what he said and how it relates to other things as well. Maybe I'll just say a few things about the purpose of the book. Uh, according to Lewis, it's not about the specifics of Christianity, but as the name says, it's just mere Christianity, so the basic things about Christianity. Uh, whether he actually does that is open to discussion, and that's probably a bit more of a book two thing that we'll talk about. But the idea is that it's the beliefs which nearly all Christians have held at all times, which, again, may be discussable, but definitely for the first book, I pretty much agree. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what he's aiming to do. He's not talking mm -hmm. about denominations or anything like that. And he does express that in the preface yeah. of the book. He's quite careful to elaborate that it's not a trying to separate denominational belief. Yeah. Prefaces are boring, but if there was a single preface for any book that I recommend you read, it would be this preface, because yeah. it is very good. Um, so, I guess we'll just start off with a quick description of uh, exactly what um, the first chapter is about. So, the first chapter is titled, The Law of Human Nature. And so, Lewis points out that the Earth and the universe, it is governed by a, a very vast set of rules, um, you know, regulations, laws. And one of the examples he gives is gravity so if a rock is falling it doesn't have a choice to 
whether to obey the law of gravity or not. It simply does what it is meant to do. So in that sense, a law is not so much something you should follow as something that literally happens no matter what way you go about it. Um, but then Lewis points out that there's a very special law that um, exists in our world, and it is the law of human nature. And it's known by many names, you know, um, the main one is morality. And what Lewis says about the law of human nature is that it's an interesting law because all humans are programmed with it. We all have a sense of it, and we know we should be following it, um, yet we don't. And so it is very different from all the other laws that govern our universe being a law that should be followed, yet it is not the reality of what is happening. Humans are very sinful, we do all kinds of horrendous things, yet we all still have a law that is governing us that we somehow don't follow. So then Lewis goes on to talk about how this is um, indicative of something behind humans, right? Something beyond humans that is governing us, telling us what we should do, and yet we um, don't adhere to the rules that we have been given. Yeah. I guess often a lot of people would say that there isn't a universal moral law, but that's not exactly what he's saying. He's saying that everyone has some kind of moral law. It's not that everyone has the same moral law, but there is everyone has a moral law, which is quite um, interesting. Yeah, so um, what William said there, um, I'll just quickly read a quote from the first chapter that uh, is exactly what William's saying. So C.S. Lewis says, I know that some people say the idea of a law of nature or decent behavior known to all men is unsound because different civilizations and different ages have had quite different moralities, but this is not true. There have been differences between their moralities, but these have never amounted to anything like a total difference. If anyone will take the trouble to compare the moral teaching of, say, the ancient Egyptians, Babylonians, Hindus, Chinese, Greeks, and Romans, what will really strike him will be how very likely they are to each other and to our own. So, the specifics of morality, which plays into culture and, you know, traditions and laws and things, yes, there are differences in those specifics between different cultures and different ages, but kind of the key base moral principles such as, you know, do not lie, do not steal, do not murder, those things are still very clear and apparent and kind of lay the foundation of many different moral bases and cultures. So that's C.S. Lewis's point, is that there is indeed a moral law that governs humans yeah. that is almost supernatural, right? It's very strange when you look at animals, most of the time they simply do what is beneficial to them. But um, the human moral law, it's strange in the fact that it doesn't actually benefit us that much. More so, it would more often go against what we're doing and make things more difficult for us, yet we still have the incentive to try to follow it. And not just some people have <clears throat> that almost, well, everyone has for a very long time. Like, yeah, he mentions the Greeks and the Romans. It would be interesting to get a psychopath on the show, because, I mean, they'd have emotions, but... That's true. Or empathy, but do they have, still have a moral law? I guess that would be quite interesting. Is Would that be the thing that differs, like, that sets them apart? Right. From, well, well you say normal people. I feel like you can still know something is right or wrong, even um, if you don't emotionally feel regret. I think he's quite firm in his right, especially in Doctor yeah. but we shouldn't press that too much, but he's quite firm in the fact that everybody yeah, okay. has a sense of um, right and um, wrong. 
especially. I mean, even Hitler had a sense of right and wrong. Yeah. It was just a very, 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 very warped version of what was right and wrong. <laughs> yeah, you read that quote before. Yeah, like in like Hitler's, very different for some people, but there's universally still the sense of. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of um, giving my two cents into what Caleb was saying before. It's pretty much um, five cents. <laughs> Or 20. <laughs> um, so in um, chapter 2, uh, Lewis is heavily talking about exactly what the moral law is. Because often people will say, well, the moral law, maybe it's just an evolutionary trait. Maybe it's an instinct. Um, but what Lewis is stressing is that, no, the moral law is it's separate from our instincts. It's something that we use to judge and discern and guide um, despite our instincts. He yeah. makes an example, right? Suppose you hear a cry for help from a man in danger. You will probably feel two desires. One, a desire to give help, you know, as an instinct. And the other, a desire to keep out of danger due to the instinct for self-preservation. But you will find inside you, in addition to these two impulses, a third thing which tells you that you ought to follow the impulse to help and suppress the impulse to run away. So it's something separate from instincts giving you guidance despite the fact that you might feel the urge to do yeah. one thing or the other. So kind of what Caleb said so is that... Separate. Yeah. they're separate things in that your sense <clears throat> of right and wrong or your morality is transcendent over yeah, what, it's almost, what some people call your instinct. So, it's like anti-evolutionary because it doesn't help mm, you stay alive or reproduce often. Yeah. Like, yeah, but, it doesn't benefit you in any immediate sense. And it may not ever. Yeah. It but, might lead to you dying. Well, That's I true. think it does in a sense um, benefit the whole of humanity kind but of not but, you yeah but not you so but, because that's the inst point, instinctual yeah. behavior traditionally is about self-preservation yeah. and so the way i i'm kind of going to relate that to the psychopath thing that caleb was talking about is that perhaps while a psychopath doesn't feel the instinct or the urge or the heart or the to emotion. be you know or the emotion to be compassionate and to be moral they may still have almost like a sixth sense judging them on what they're doing and they may know morality even though you know the instinct is heavily telling them to do the wrong things that so i think that's a mm, I, I think that's so. possible maybe but of course i don't know enough about this disclaimer here we're that. none of us are psychologists who know anything about psychopaths so <laughs> this is all pure guesswork but. this is yeah. speculation but Perhaps good speculation. But I think, I don't to, know if, you know, there are very, very few people who would disagree with the idea that there is, there is a more, even atheists who say there's no higher moral law, no moral law that exists above humanity. They still say there is a moral law that exists in humanity, even if they say it's a societal construct or something. So hardly anyone disagrees that there are moral laws that we have to keep. But would they say that a social construct of morality is morality at all? Well, what? I think they call it morality and Wouldn't believe that, that be it's actually law? a higher morality. Are you talking civil law? Or um, what we would call... Socially acceptable, social constructs within society. Well, the idea that our conscience is socially constructed to say what is right and wrong. Okay, and that can be subjective depending on your culture. Y yeah, it would change society. as per culture. Right. But then, of course, you have to ask, well, why since there's such a diverse range of cultures are all moralities so Almost similar identical. Yeah. they're I mean, not identical but, no, si yeah. but like so similar very yeah. similar i mean a point that lewis made was that about the people who think that morality doesn't exist and there's no right and wrong if you did wrong against them 
they would argue with you. Yeah, right? yeah. If they if they saw someone in need, they would probably feel the urge to help them, right? Yeah, yeah. In Whether the end, they acted on it or not. Yeah. In the end, aiming to be a somewhat decent person is part of the moral law. And even people who say there is no right and wrong and they want to be all wishy-washy about it, they will still show many traits that they yeah. understand and comprehend a moral law that they want yeah. to carry out in their actions. And so I think a lot of people try to say there's no right and wrong, but they're really battling in, in against... Life, they yeah, they're really they butting their head against the wall because they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. With actions and other words, they show that they understand and know there's right and wrong yet they try to advocate that there isn't mm. so i just find it quite interesting that yeah because i don't know there's do ever that. been an atheist that if they had their car stolen they wouldn't be mad about it yeah <laughs> well i i remember a story i don't know who told this but this student philosophy student had a philosophy professor who was a christian and the student was an atheist and he wrote a paper about why there's no true higher moral law and so the professor read his paper. It was a very good paper, and he gave him an F. Uh, and the student came in and said, "It was all angry. Oh, why did you do this? It's so unfair." And he said, "Well, you don't believe in a moral law, <laughs> so I gave you an F because it doesn't matter. There's that's no true right or wrong." But, well, yeah. that's, that's the sort of example. That yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's quite funny though. Yeah, but anyway, but yeah, I, I don't know if anyone would really seriously disagree. No, I don't Nietzsche. think so. Nietzsche. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. You write a whole, if you write a whole paper on that, and then you undermine everything you say with a simple outburst of anger at your creative veneer. Yeah, sort of underpins your whole position. Is it also Lewis then goes on to say that we the second point that we have to take is that we've all failed to keep it. Is this um, yes, so that we, is later on. Oh, that's that later is on? chapter okay. three and four. Okay, he right. talks more in depth about exactly how to fix us and things. What do you think about this as a system of evangelism? Like, is this a good place to start if you're going to discuss this with someone? If you're trying to convert someone to Christianity, is this the right place to start, that there is a moral law? Um, yeah, answering that question, I actually think it is actually quite a good place to start because um, you, you really have to start from the fundamentals when it comes to talking to people who don't understand anything about Christianity. And it is that... They have to first realize that, because the whole point of Christianity is based on understanding that, you know, how great your sins are, yeah. and that there is a way to be forgiven, right? Yeah. That is the foundation of Christianity. And, you know, before you even get there, you have to understand things about the fact that there is a moral law and that you have broken, d it. broken it. Because yeah. a lot of people, right, if you ask them, are you a good person, they would say yes. Yeah. But, you know, it's all about the subtleties and so many things we do and our daily lives that are, you know, harmful and against, you know, morality, we don't even realize because that's how deep we are yeah. in the hole. We're good at covering it up. We cover it up. And that's interesting because almost any, like you see, like a lot on YouTube, a lot of those when people try and evangelize to atheists on the street. Oh, yeah, like Ray Comfort. Yeah, like Ray Comfort and people like that. It's like, yes, are you a good person? And you don't hear many people will say no. Like almost everyone's like, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. a good person. But then, like we were saying before, and even Ray Comfort talks about it later, it's like, Almost all of them would agree that there is a sense of morality, that there is a sense of yeah. justice and right and evil in a sense. Then they will admit that they have Don't keep stolen or that, yeah, that they've broken that. But it's interesting that they still, out of, is it ignorance or 
that they would say that they're still a good person. And I don't know if this comes later, but we can talk about it now. Uh, mm. Should we be using God's moral law or should we be using people's own moral law? I'm going to say... Within personal conscience. Y- not yourself, obviously, because you're a well, Christian. Conscience is... The- Oh, God, like a non-Christian. Yeah, yeah, like a that's non-Christian. What I, that's exactly what I was and I say. think. And uh, I think it's Romans 2. Paul is like, um, we fall short of the law even when it's our own law. So Romans 1. Uh, uh. It's early in Romans. You just read the whole book of Romans. You should do that anyway. Uh, <laughs> it's true. Yeah, he says we all fall short, especially like people who have never heard of the gospel or anything. They still fall short of their own law. Yeah. So if you go ask anyone, because they're pretty much guaranteed to say some things are right, some things are wrong. You ask them what they think is right, they're guaranteed to have not kept the things they think everyone else should have kept. Yeah. And I think C.S. Lewis continues to say, he's like, we make other people do things, or we think they should do things, and we get upset when they don't do things right, mm. but then we don't do that ourselves. Right, yeah. So I think at this point, it's um, a good idea to discuss, you know, what Lewis was talking about in terms of behind the law. We've already established the fact that there is a moral law, right? And that a creator or some kind of being is very likely behind giving humans this moral law. And so after that, you kind of have to think about it a bit more in terms of how it applies to humanity. Because as we humans are, we're very, we do a lot of evil. And if there is a creator that has set up a bunch of rules for us, and we are so far gone from those rules at this point, we're in huge trouble, you know. The position is really terrifying that for so long we've gone further and further from morality and yet it's possible that we have someone to be accountable to and that there may be heavy consequences for it. And so then Lewis goes on to kind of start introducing Christianity into this, which is, you know... Very slowly, though. He doesn't talk too much about it. Very slowly, but I think it's very important what he says. He says that... The first steps of getting into Christianity or trying to understand what we are talking about is that we've realized that there's a moral law that is very unlikely of human instinct and evolution, Mm. um, therefore indicating that there may be a creator behind this moral law. And so if that is indeed the case, then humans are indeed quite in trouble with that creator and that is what religion such as Christianity, you know, try to answer is exactly what we've done wrong, how we've gotten there, and what can be done to fix or mend or save our position. Before he even gets there, um, he continues to talk about the comparison between materialistic and religious view, right? So for materialistic view, it's kind of the basics is that people um, think that matter and space just happen to exist have always existed and no one knows why. Everything was just produced when the correct chemicals or atoms happened to come together. Whereas their religious view is that a creator, at least with some form of purpose or mind, created um, the universe. So he's kind of setting up two main arguments. The fancy names for them are the moral argument, which is that there's a moral law, therefore God exists. And the second one is that uh, the design argument, which is that the earth has been designed, therefore there's a designer. Because there's a moral law, there must be a moral law giver, and because there's a design, there must be a designer. And I also remember he says something very important, and it is that so many laws and things um, govern our universe that scientists can, a lot of the time, 
make x and x rule, make the certain equation, and use that to predict what happens in terms of that, you know, specific occurrence or field. And it would be very weird to think that all these laws just came by as chance, um, and they seem to indicate that something was behind this sort of structure in this universe, and that so many things are rather than, um, you know, simply happening, they're being held there by design, or they're being upheld by some kind of force or power. And so I just think that's a really important thing to think about. It's interesting because he actually believes in evolution. So don't turn off the podcast. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> Heresy! He's still a really good guy. But yeah, macro he believes in evolution. Macro evolution. But macro he's... evolution. Oh, oh my goodness. Turn it off. Okay. No, but, <laughs> but he still uses this argument because even if you believe in macro evolution and you're a Christian, which is... It is possible, believe it or not. It is possible to I do that. I feel like that's a discussion, entire, you know, big discussion. I think it, it is I not a discussion. Thing, you can believe in macroevolution and still be a Christian. I'm Mr. Liberal saved. over here. I'm not liberal well, for saying that. Mr. Million. Yeah, I'm conservative. <laughs> <laughs> How many days was the world created in? <laughs> that's not the measure of that's not how you measure know, how liberal someone. That's exactly what I said. Okay. Well, anyway, the point is why I bring this up is because he still uses the designer argument even with evolution. Because the laws of physics did not evolve, and the the Earth did not evolve. It was made out of nothing. So it's still like how matter came into existence is still a miracle. But the so lowest like, believed were monkeys. Does no? Does he believe <laughs> no. in human evolution? Or That's macroevolution. I, I, I can't. Okay, I can't defend his position because I haven't read enough about it. Neither. That's I, I, I would curious. understand that he doesn't believe in literal Adam. Actually, I know that, but that oh. God at some point said these are humans. So and I'm not trying to defend this. I don't humans. agree with this. I, I, I didn't know about the literal Adam, I didn't but know I didn't know about either. the. But this is what he thinks. Yeah, interesting. And that may be a but, discussion for another day. If but read upon it. This the... is where I can make one of my favorite points to make. <laughs> oh boy, he st- he Brace still yourself. believes this great horrible doctrine of not literal Adam, which I actually do agree is, is there's some major problems with believing that. But if you read read his books, you wouldn't think that he no, would think that. So right. I'm actually going to say. People make a bigger deal out of it than they need to. Now, before you shoot me, <laughs> we're about this... to. I know exactly who is going to shoot you. Yeah, <laughs> I also know. But I'm just, just saying, you can have some wrong beliefs, okay, and you can still William. say the right things. Yeah, I'm feeling very, very under pressure right now. <laughs> you can still get most things right and believe one thing that we happen to think is a very weird thing to believe. Yep, I'll um, concede that. That makes. Lewis must. Lewis has to have a, well, an amazing like reason to believe that, though. Right? It okay, doesn't mean because... that your doctrine. But in response to what you said, your doctrine. The necessity for being a Christian isn't that you have perfect doctrine. Yes, exactly. No, not That's what I'm saying. Although, often, I feel there like. There is points of doctrine that are essential for salvation. Yes. Which, like, which we talked about last time, yeah. like the Trinity. Yeah, and Trinity. You can't deny it. salvation. And yeah. yeah. But often, I feel like mm. some Protestants especially, and maybe some Catholics, put too much emphasis on certain things which are kind of weird. Like, do we put this much yeah. emphasis on 
church societal structure. Oh yeah, no, no the authority. Right. Yeah, the like, authority, like where the, where are the presbyters and bishops in yeah, churches today? I, that was a bigger issue for most of Christian history than this thing about six day creation, which was just very recent. And yet now all of a sudden, oh, it's a matter of life and death. <laughs> anyway, I mean, it is still important. It's to important. Understand exactly what happened with creation and but like I do agree the with origin you. of humans. And yep, this I world. totally agree. Because if you believe in evolution and you know you you still hold Christian beliefs, you just have as to remember well. C.S. Lewis was a lot smarter than you'll ever be. Any book. <laughs> 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 okay. Well, maybe not. Maybe, okay. Maybe okay. I think here's you can why be he very believes intelligent, it. But that doesn't day, save you from being. That here's, doesn't here's mean why. you're not a man. He was, he was a writer, and he understood that he was a professional in his topic. Yeah, and that's why. But he respected, had a very high respect for people who were professionals in other studies, like science. And so he would just take what they said as being uh, true. I mean, he's well, a brilliant not, writer, not true, but that but doesn't like, mean he always writes the correct things. Yes, so. well, except that right. he didn't actually write this down. Because it's not part because of mere Christianity. Wasn't... Hence why we shouldn't condemn uh, people for believing it. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think William's just no. on hyper alert. And I do not... I, I don't think we've even said anything Once to again, condemn them yet. I he do not agree with him. <laughs> he knows he's going to get... <laughs> I just he's going to get set on fire for this. <laughs> the thing is, when you <laughs> say something... I got the bonfire. When, you, <laughs> when you say something like this, you have to cover all your bases. Because if you leave one uncovered, they'll be like... Bombs going off in it <laughs> all night long. I'll start attacking you on Facebook. <laughs> but can I make your point, threats. William, about how you said most Protestants and Catholics, which was interesting. But some, how you're saying how many, there are some people that take different doctrines and... And make them... Like Baptists, the reason why there's a Baptist denomination is because a while ago, some people were really concerned about baptism. I don't think yeah. even and I these think days, I, I don't think, think Baptists care so much about no, baptism as they used to. Now it's just the denomination. And everyone's just like buddies. But like, I think that has been a problem, well, is and has been, and especially in the last hundred years or so, has been a major problem within the churches. And especially in Protestantism, because you can yeah. actually break up. Whereas in Catholicism, you're like, either we'll kick you out or you have to like... <laughs> conform. Conform. <laughs> yeah. Although, not on all Which issues... Only on issues which they have an official doctrine on. Which is... So they can disagree on lots and lots of things, but just not certain ones. It's agreed on what you can and cannot agree yeah. on. And even if you disagree, you still stay in the same church. Yeah. Which is cool. That's although funny. they then pray to saints and love Mary. So that's a bit of a <laughs> downside. Where there are, is, we? are we? Are we? I'm there so There are some confused. quite cool things about the Catholic Yeah. Church. In that sense, though. I think it's... Yeah. Unity. Some, you, you see some strong parallels between the early church and. Oh, well, anyway, Caleb, the, Caleb is fully just stirring a, the pot. For those this of is you a brilliant who don't example of conversation <laughs> spiraling out of control. I've never done it. you know you were talking earlier about how we shouldn't be talking over each other, and we spent like the last 15 oh. minutes just talking over each other. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep it all in. We'll keep it all in. All right. Mere Christianity. As the editor, I approve of this. Alright. Uh, just a quick editor's note. Um, we apologize for the absolute chaos that ensued around the 21 to 25 minute mark. It was an absolute explosion of panic, but we decided to keep it in anyway for transparency sakes and just, you know, for some comedic relief if you so wish. We apologize for any unprofessionalism that that may have caused so I hope you enjoyed the podcast and we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to the podcast. We'll be releasing a new episode every Friday evening, New Zealand time. Uh, please contact us with any thoughts or Bible verses or any arguments or anything that you want to bring up or want us to talk about. Um, we're also looking at what the length of the podcast should be. So if you could tell us what length you think is ideal, that would also be really helpful. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you want to check us out on Facebook, we're at facebook.com slash podcast. You can also email us. We'd love for you to send us any questions that you have or articles or books or any ideas you have for what we could talk about later on. Well, I'll put links in description for all of those things and see you next time.